Welcome to VG Empire, episode 142. I'm your host, Brett Elston, and joined once again by my two guests over here. It was a smoky November Eve, and Tim the snow Turi. fell like at... <laughs> oh, this is Tim Turry, sorry. That song just put me in the mood. Yeah. This is uh, Patrick, She's Like the Wind, Kulikowski. So, much like everyone, I'm sure, when you saw the cover of this game with a lady in a white kind of, you know, toga-looking outfit... Uh, blasting beams out of her hand, and the game is called El Viento, which is the song that brought us in. That means the wind in Spanish. It means the wind. And you would think, oh, it's, she's like the wind. She's El Viento, and she's like a superhero or something saving the day, which is what, up until literally two weeks ago, I thought. Uh, <laughs> including the fact that I've even been listening to the soundtrack a lot, uh, which is why we're listening to the show. And then even then, I didn't really research, you know, What's the deal with the game, the actual mm-hmm. story, and why is it called Elevator? So we'll get to that in just a second. But wanted to discuss quickly what we're doing in Rocktober. VG Empire annually, except for last year, uh, has a series uh, where we go weekly. You know, in the, in the heyday of the show, this was a, we- a bi-weekly show. And then uh, in October, we would go weekly. And ha- I would pick, like, one series that was too big to fit in one or even two episodes and spend the whole you know, month talking about that one series. This mo- this year, however, it's a concept of I found a lot of Sega Genesis Mega Drive soundtracks over the last few months. Listening a lot uh, as you know, you do work, you tasks around the house, and found all these soundtracks that were to me super obscure and really exemplified Sega music FM synthesis done at its best. Right outside of the normal things, typical things you would you would expect like Streets of Rage. Uh, Thunder Force, which unfortunately we haven't covered yet, <laughs> but deserves its own show for sure. But like Streets of Rage, we've covered another Genesis classics on here. Fantasy Star is another one I would love to get to someday. But the whole conceit around this is uh, kind of obscure stuff. It feels it feels like the uh, equivalent of you know, hey, this video store is closing down, and there's this whole bin of stuff that uh, I don't know. Uh, I should just dive in here and see what's in there and just pull out something random for the sake of it. Yeah, mm. kind of kind of random. And uh, this was one of the first ones I discovered early on where I'm like, man, this is some good stuff. And uh, El Viento uh, came out in 1991, uh, side-scrolling action game. Uh, turns out El Viento is... Uh, well, actually, I'll, 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 sh- I'll explain how this happened to me. So I'm listening to the soundtrack, and I'm putting the show notes together, and I'm like, oh, let me actually read the back of the box and just see just what the back of the box says. Because I'm sure uh, it'll tell me who El Viento is. And the back of the box, the year is 1928. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I look up the cover again. I'm like, oh, wait, yeah. There's like two total Al Capone-looking mobsters behind her. Okay, 1928. Got it. Uh, in a distant galaxy, what? A monstrous entity watches and waits. Though his purposes are beyond the understanding of mankind, the mighty Haster lives only to destroy with the power to easily <laughs> obliterate an entire planet. It's a total Lovecraft spinoff game starring, surely this is El Viento, come to save us from Haster, which if you know your Lovecraft lore, he's one of the many ancient deity being, cosmic unknowable beings. I mean, is, I'm looking at her, is El Viento like... You know, a, f- a flapper girl turned, like, you know, just got a really cool outfit. Like, Yeah, it's a total, like, anime superhero outfit, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the, 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 the story on the back of the box just keeps going. On Earth, he is worshipped as a god by a bizarre cult called the Haster Group. Who could have guessed? Oh, wow. Original. Uh, whose evil purpose is simple, to summon Haster to Earth so that civilization may be wiped out and a new order began, an order dictated by the cult of Haster. To summon Haster, the cult plans to use the newly built Empire State Building as a sacrificial shrine. The only person alive who can stop them is Annette, a young sorceress from the mountains of Peru, 
who has telepathically harnessed a portion of Hester's vast power. She controls the elements of air, possessing the magic of El Viento, the wind. So she's not El Viento. Her name's Annette. Uh, and she's battling Haster in the twenties. Uh, I'm looking over. You got you, this? I'm looking at the the back of the box. Uh, I looked at a screenshot. This is a side-scrolling action video game. Of course, not it that is. you would know anything about that from the back of box copy. Uh, yeah, it's just a total story dump. Um, what's, yeah. that's incredible. What's yeah. blowing my mind is this is in the universe of Ernest Evans. Yes, so we'll actually discuss that a little bit <laughs> as we get further in. Uh, Crazy. But yeah, they they created a uh, the Ernest Evans cinematic universe. <laughs> um, but yeah, that opening theme. Yeah, once once I realized what this was, it's in the twenties. It's about gangsters, and it's that very like a lot of Lovecraft or extended mm-hmm. universe Lovecraft stuff starts very goony, uh, and then as they dig deeper into this weird cult or detectives gets through the cracks, they find oh no, there's all this crazy, wild, otherworldly stuff going on. And that opening actually I feel really does that well, and it actually narr- it actually plays over the story. That shows like the Empire State Building being constructed and really cool lighting and just really good use of, I don't know, Genesis to set the mood and then really good graphics uh, to tell that story. Wow. Well, it, was a good, it was a good tune. Actually, it reminded me of some of the Final Fantasy VII, like dingy, you know, uh, beneath the rotting pizza kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> uh, uh, Midgar stuff. Like Midgar. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the slums. Um, Midgar. Yeah, Midgar, right? Yeah, that's Midgar. It's Midgar. No, no, no now, D. No extra D. Now I'm thinking of Thor, and I'm like, no, that's 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 uh, that's, that's Earth. Yeah. Uh, thanks, fiction. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Uh, all fiction being popular <laughs> simultaneously. Um, composer is Motoi Sakuraba. No uh, way! Wow. Who worked on many things you like, including Tales of Fantasia, Destiny, Symphonia, Vesperia, Shining in the Holy Ark, the N64 Mario Golf and Tennis games, Dark Souls, uh, G- Golden Sun. Oh, really? Uh. Dark Souls, huh? Soul Feast, one of my favorite oh, Sega really? CD soundtracks. Um, yeah. And for years, part of Wolf Team, right. which became the Namco Tales Studio, oh. uh, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, so very storied history, uh, but that's you know you'll still hear a lot of great stuff um, because this composer has done decades of great work. He's a legend for sure, yeah. Um, but like Elemental Master, which was one of the first games we covered uh, a couple episodes ago, please go check it out. I... I can't recommend it it's enough. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, this was a box that I saw repeatedly growing up in video stores. This this flapper lady with the white outfit. I would just see it, and I'm like, huh? What? And I never really paid much attention to it. Uh, and it's this smiling woman shooting energy, and it's called El Viento. So I'm like, oh, she's got wind powers. And back then, I wasn't like super into Lovecraft or the extended monster Cthulhu stuff in general. But had I known that it was kind of built in, into this, it had this mythology going on. I might have actually rented it, and I just never did, and I kind of regret not having done that. And then now having watched videos of it, I'm like, oh, it's kind of a very, very fast-paced side-scrolling mm-hmm. game. Um, and being such a fan of Ninja Gaiden and uh, some of the Castlevanias, right. it seems like I actually might have enjoyed this had I played it back then. Whoops. Uh, I, do, I do think it, yeah. Uh, that concludes the show. <laughs> uh, um, but it, it like like Elemental Master, it also has a lot of sound effects that kind of drown everything out. So as you're watching, it's just... <laughs> Oh, I think this is good. I can't tell. But you're losing whole instruments as the uh, sound effects cut in and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it reminds me that, that it's this recurring thing that showed up a lot in 80s and 90s anime, like, you know, Nashka th- through Studio Ghibli or uh, Iri- Ir- Irita, um, a bounty hunter anime that was out in the, in the 90s. It was a manga, I'm sure, before. Uh, mm. It just showed up recently on Amazon streaming. So, uh, total blast from the past. Great, great opening theme song. But it's that total anachronistic, like, 
old west slash uh, yeah, it's the 20s, but there's some technology that people really shouldn't have yet. And also, the Empire State Building is not actually built until the 30s. So stuff is just kind of all over the place. And I, I that's just showed up in anime a lot where they were like, yeah, I don't know, they've all got flying cars, but it's also the Old West. But they've also got teleporters. But they've also, you know, no one has, like, real phones. So they can't, like, just call each other. It's just mishmash technology solely to fit what the needs of mm-hmm. the story are. They have just enough to do, oh, yeah, sure, we have spaceships. Uh, no, I do not have Microsoft Office. Like, yeah. Just basic <laughs> weird things. No, uh, yeah, we have spaceships because I can draw them um, yeah, many yeah. times. I love and drawing so spaceships. Now... We got tons of those. Yeah, and cowboys. Why choose? Um, but you know, no repeating guns. No, no belt-fed guns, please. Anyway, we'll go into a few songs here from uh, El Viento. Um, and the theme for this one, though, because uh, the first episode of this Rocktober was two shooters where you don't play spaceships. It was Elemental Master was a human, and uh, Panorama Cotton was a witch. And humanoids, humanoids, Battle Mania as well, and then yeah, yeah. the Battle Mania episode was that series in general, um, and then now this one is actually like female protagonist action games uh, that have surprisingly good music that I totally overlooked my entire life. Mm. Um, so the next one we'll get to shortly, but we'll go into three songs from El Viento quickly. Uh, the main theme, which plays right after that opening, so it kind of sets the stage like the, it's dim and it's dire, and oh, if they summon Haster, it's all over. But then it transitions into this with it with his the the total like up tempo and here's who's gonna save the day it's this girl and she's from Peru like it goes straight into that uh, but lots of really good anime opening stuff that was not super common in North America at least so when you saw it the the style stood out to us as like this is something from Japan this magical land that I'll never go to repeatedly and get frustrated at the. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> at not being able to read the menus or whatever, like it, it was just a total pipe dream, right? And when you saw this art, you're like, that, that that's from there, mm. not like all these constant barbarians that are thrown all over the box art here, right? Um, so the main theme <laughs> summarizes everything I just said. Uh, after that is Stage One, New York City, uh, which is a great determined driving song to start off any action game, and I love the u- uh, the the use of percussion. It does a lot of little like hand claps. Like, it's almost fulfilling the need of a castanet, but it's not a castanet. It's just this very toe jam and early, like, I love it already. It's it's really fun. Um, And then after that is Intermission, which are these Ninja Gaiden-style cutscenes. And uh, in this one, she confronts one of the villains villains, and is then told to go to Mount Rushmore. And it's like that's not that's not close. <laughs> it's not close to New York at all. And it's a very, another great like you know how big is the U.S. Yeah, like you know people from other countries come visit and they're like hey they're in New York. They're like Can you, how far is New Orleans from here? And it's like it's impossible. Don't yep. even like <laughs> it's just a Shinkansen right yeah, away. Yeah, it's just a Shinkansen. <laughs> like yeah, it's not that's not gonna happen. Like you could rent a car and you will uh, get be, lost five times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's twelve hours away. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's a separate flight. <laughs> uh, Sa- save up for it, but. So she goes to Mount Rushmore. So Annette she, does. Annette goes to Mount Rushmore, and that just made me think: like, how many the the diagram on display here? How many anime Lovecraft Mega Drive games where you go to Mount Rushmore? Uh, well, some of the Chester Cheetah games <laughs> uh, <laughs> get really dark. Oh boy! Um, but she would get on the way to Rushmore. She'd get El Viento, right? She'd get the jet stream. Yeah, I mean, yeah. ride it right over the rockets. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, no problem. Right there, she could probably get there really quick. Oh, not if she's coming from New York, though, huh? Oh, shoot. She's fighting it on the way back there? Uh, yeah, the way if I fly west, it slows uh, you down. You know, that's right. My uh, uncle's a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> also really strong. <laughs> 
And, you know, I, that's where I get this physique. Yeah, it's named after him. It's no big deal. <laughs> that's where I get this physique. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll do, uh, yeah, ma- uh, three songs from El Viento. Main theme, uh, stage one, and then uh, the intermission slash cutscene song. <laughs>
it's like a bell, a bell tolling kind of in the end of mm-hmm. the, the last intermission. It's very chill mm-hmm. that whole time because it is two characters kind of talking and interacting. And so you've discovered our plan. Go to Mount Rushmore, I dare you. Um, and then it has this kind of mystical end there. Yeah, the percussion you're talking about, it reminds me of that kind of percussive sound you you hear in like a lot of like Japanese, like classical Japanese music. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's like supposed to be like a bamboo shoot thing, mm. that really sharp oh, um, yeah. Yeah, noise. Which <laughs> Stage <laughs> one. Re- the the uh, bamboo noise, I get it. <laughs> you, got, you guys are with me, right? Yeah. Well, uh, stage one resonated with me because it's just like, oh, yeah, that's the Sakuraba style I'm very used to. Like the bass backing there and the kind of intense uh, drumming fills and things like that. He's very rooted in prog rock. Oh, so, yeah. and, I mean, he has his own prog rock band this that he performs with. So, uh, this kind of emanates it that. all fits within his vibe I, I yeah like, for I like sure it traded off between like the the crazy bass line would like do its crazy spider crawl and then it would switch over to like the melody yeah and it seems like they, they would take back and forth for a little while it went places yeah it was cool uh and then uh, but it's also very surprising to hear his slower paced stuff because that's the side of sakuraba that i never like i know it's there but i never think about that when i sure, p- yeah. hear his music so well so yeah, yeah. like ninja gaiden you keiji yamagishi you you think of like all the crazy melodies and percussion and all the wild songs right. and intensity and like frantic ninja action but then a lot of the cutscenes are really moody and slow but that's right. not the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Funny enough, a lot of those uh, high-energy ones were Ryuchi uh, Nita, too. Oh, which was the first to one? Cover. Yeah. It was, it was a mix of both. Uh, but yeah. Moving on. Uh, so the Japanese box art and all the in-game art are... I mean, of course, the Japanese box art's this way, but uh, it's all that same... We talked about this a second ago. The eighties, late 80s, early 90s anime I mentioned during the Battle Mania episode, where... Outside of games and outside of the non-NES world, you wouldn't really see this that much. You'd have to get into the Sega CD or FM Towns Marty or Turbo <laughs> Graphics, or it didn't seem to be super prevalent on the NES. Like it just didn't. I, even when there were cutscenes like Ninja Gaiden, it's not. It's not. It ha- kind of has its own style. Like some of the characters, they don't have any of the the tr- the, the stereotypical things you'd associate with, like wild hair, giant eyes. Like none of that's there. This stuff, hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's all that. Um, but like Troubleshooter, which was uh, the name of Battlemania right. over here when it came out, and the next game that's coming up after this next break, uh, they got Americanized paintings for art. And uh, what's weird to me is they that probably made me less interested in the game because when I see this kind of like novelization art, it looks like a you know novel you'd see in a supermarket or something like The Lady with Wind Powers or whatever it is. Uh, I don't title things very well. Uh, <laughs> uh, they either it's either alliteration like a Donkey Kong stage, or I got nothing. Right. Um, but if had it been the anime look back then, I'd probably have been more interested because that was the the difference. That was the unique thing that could have pulled me in. So unfortunately, this is another. I don't think this El Viento one is all that bad compared to how some of the others are. It's still pretty colorful. It doesn't look like another Conan the Barbarian style thing. Mm. The thing the thing that's probably a knock against it is things just kind of blend together too much. Yeah, uh, it's like a lot of red and black and a little bit of white. Yeah, it's she kind of dis- the details of her arms and mm. what she's doing disappear with the background. But oh well, going into three more songs. Stage two is Park, which uh, is the <laughs> it's you running up to Mount Rushmore. You don't actually play a stage with Mount Rushmore in the background, but then the next cutscene there it is in the background. You're like oh damn, Mount Rushmore, we made it. Sturgis, uh, we're uh, not far, yeah. not far away. 
Uh, so that's stage two park again. Very energetic. I get kind of a Mega Man mixed with Ninja Gaiden feel. Uh, Ooh, no thanks. Oh, I know <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's very fast and adventurous, like Mega Man would be. But it also gets very like pop rock. Well, I guess fast and adventurous like Ninja Gaiden. Then it gets very pop rocky okay. stuff that reminds me of like some of the old Mega Man I'm, songs. I'm listening. Um, where I'm just very much like I'm into all of this. Thank you. Uh, after that is stage three, the bar, which is. A tad slower and kind of gave me like a 1990 era, which is when this game came out, 91, but like Paula Abdul track or something. Just it has a little bit more of a radio song feel, not necessarily being so frantic about like, go fight everybody, go right now. Uh, And after that is stage five, the temple, which is interesting to me because the background is that same heavy percussion clapping sound that we've heard, but... Uh, the main melody is like a wind instrument, this very light and delicate sound against all of this, like, <laughs> um, and that's just a neat, uh, what do they call that, contrast? Oh, okay. Juxtaposition? Is that even, I don't know. Yeah. This yeah. and that? This and that, <laughs> you know, it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go into three more songs. This is uh, El Viento and Mega Drive, Sega Genesis, uh, Stage 2, Stage 3, and Stage 5.
love it. Man. This is zesty. Lots of intricate stuff there. It can be hard to follow, but in the right way, like, right. like you know, jazzy progginess. Based on what, yeah, bro, what you were saying about just, like, the gameplay audio cutting in, I feel like you'd lose, like, like you lose a couple seconds of that song, uh, any of those tracks, you've lost, like, a huge amount of, like, improvisation, weird, weirdo, cool yeah. stuff. Uh, that first track that we played, uh, the Mount Rushmore one, um, mm-hmm. you mentioned, like, Mega Man and Ninja Gaiden, I heard that in there. And I feel like this would be an easy trap to fall into when, like, thinking about these songs and uh, trying to imagine what game they'd be in, but or what kind of game they'd be in. But, like, I just kept on hearing Sonic. Uh, Sonic and... Huh. Yeah. Because it would go into the, these almost chimey kind of ring sounds. Yeah. But Along with the bass thunks. Oh, yeah. 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 And yeah. that was the one you mentioned, like, this is a racing game. There was that... <laughs> loop. There's the part where it repeated a few times in a row, and it really sounded like... Yeah. I could imagine a, a bright red car yeah, for and sure. palm trees. Yeah, palm mm. trees flying by, total outrun music. Yeah, I thought those were all pretty good. I'm I'm surprised. Like I'm so used to Sakuraba's style, where he, like, there there are soundtracks where like a lot of the actiony uh, songs always start with like a rolling drum intro, and I'm so used to that. It's it doesn't even have to be drums. It's always like da 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 like that kind of thing. It's just because you're a drummer, man. Just listen, listen to a lot of like Tales of or or Star Ocean or. Uh, even Solfees, like which was around the same era. Yeah, here. Not, not too far. So off, that was yeah. Wolf Team as well. So yeah. Um, that second track for a little bit there, where it was just really bassy with a little bit of percussion over, it, like we mm-hmm. were talking about, it kind of reminded me of, like Shinobi, oh, Shinobi yeah. one, like the arcade or yeah, um, for sure. Mm. Just and, and this takes place in a bar that is that very like urban street, yeah. street fight sound, but like fish out of water too, where they would have it's a ninja in the street, right. not not running on the rooftops. How weird! And this too is like. This wind-powered woman from another country who's, like, not dressed for this battle but is beating up goons in a bar. She's in <laughs> South Dakota. In South Dakota. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, like you mentioned at the top of the show, Pat, uh, this is part of the Ernest Evans universe. Can't believe it. I, uh, uh, Ernest Evans universe. I didn't even dot know wikia. that was dot com. Dot <laughs> So I didn't. I had no idea either. But th- that is one of those games, like, as soon as I heard Ernest Evans, I'm like, oh, I do remember hearing that name growing up. Yeah. I never played it. I don't, know, I don't really recall what it was, but... You'd see it in magazines because, again, back in the day, reading GamePro, EGM, like these phone book-sized magazines where it would just be like, yeah, I'm going to read this cover to cover, and I will have a photographic memory of every game that came out for 30 years, but I will not... I did not play half of them because you only got to play so many. Mm. What is the Ernest Evans universe? So <laughs> glad you asked. <laughs> just like, uh, so Wait for it. <laughs> El Viento takes place before Ernest Evans because this is back in the 20s, and I think what it is is there's a car- he or like Ernest Evans or a character is in this related to him. And then Ernest Evans game is like his son in, in what would be the modern day in the eighties, continuing this path to stop these people from, you know, st- inviting the apocalypse or whatever. Right. Mobsters. right? Um, like, well, mobsters yeah. in the twenties. And then right. it take as it gravitates to modern day, it starts chronologically in this game, goes into Ernest Evans, and then it culminates in a game called, Annette Fudatabi, uh, who is the heroine of El Viento, um, and that's more of a beat-em-up. So, and it concludes this story of them trying to stop this. So there's actually a trilogy of these games, and had I researched this ahead of time, that would have been an episode. Uh, <laughs> instead. Uh, yeah, because I do hear Ernest Evans' soundtrack is pretty good. I'm sure it is. So there's like uh, the FM Genesis, and I think there was a Sega CD version Yeah, the Sega CD well, one yeah. is, I believe, the one that people go by. And that's Sakuraba as well. So Yeah, yeah. so I should yeah. have you know done that instead of a show. Uh, <laughs> you said that Ernest Evans is a, a fo- an NFL commentator? 
you know, that joke's going to go right over my head. I, I don't know. I'm just he, It's just the most plain-ass, name-ass <laughs> name. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> Ernest Evans goes to jail. I just don't understand why you would ever name your character Ernest Evans. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's probably some, uh, you know, hey, it sounds neat in Katakana. When you, it sounds neat when you, when you have to say it in Japanese. That's right. fair. But I, I don't know how that name was determined. I wasn't there, Tim. That's fine. Uh, yeah, strangely, this random game I thought was a one-off is actually part of a trilogy. <laughs> so we'll go on to the next set of songs because uh, i got no more gameplay anecdotes to share with you. I, but I guess I can only say, since this is connected to Ernest Evans, uh, that GamePro VHS I mentioned oh. in the other episode, that also had an Ir- Ernest Evans segment. Wow. And that is like the only connection I have seeing you know, this... Side scroller with whip action yeah, and yeah, whatnot, yeah. and that's that's what. He's got a whip. He does. He, he does. Uh, Evan, uh, Ernest Evans has a whip. Yeah, he yes. just made me think of Bayou Billy when I was mm. a kid. I'm like, oh, he's Bayou Billy. And if you know who both Bayou Billy and Ernest Evans are, congratulations, <laughs> you are over thirty. Uh, yeah, we'll do uh, two more songs from uh, El Viento. Uh, this is Stage Six. We are now in the Detroit Car Factory. Crisscrossing the, the oh boy, our, going back. our great nation, um, <laughs> and this this one uh, I described as a kitchen sink song in the best way possible. All the sounds, um, and it's pretty late in the game, so I guess if you want to like you know go go for broke, that's the time. And then uh, final battle, uh, character from the game is uh, ends up I guess basically getting possessed by Haster, as most of these elder god things would want to do. Um, and in true Lovecraft form, the final boss is like it is definitely in a game that's been in bars and in Mount Rushmore, a fitting like what is happening, kind of ending. Um, but yeah, two more songs. This is uh, the Detroit Car Factory, and final battle from El Viento.
Take a breath. Oh, those boy. Are like, those are like $30 orchids a piece. <laughs> they, they're premium orchids. They hit like bullets. They're like, man. Uh, that yeah, was, the, wow. Yeah, the Detroit one uh, just, yeah, gets super intense. I love it. I dig it. I, I think the, I think, as I was saying while we were listening, I, I became outclapped. <laughs> like, I think the claps are were interesting at first, and then like we're just kind of like, oh boy, uh, do you have to end every measure with a clap? It's a bold, a bold sound to lean into for yeah, sure. But yeah. like, what I was thinking, what is like the average length of one of those given songs? Would They're you say? all like they don't loop for. It, it takes maybe you know a minute and a half to loop one and if, for for one sequence, and then to play you know. Once and then again, for like the purposes of the show, mm. you're in two and a half minutes. Yeah, it feels like a. It feels like twice that. It feels like you just. Mm. It's so dense, and there's yeah, you go there's so many different places. Yeah, I mean, we're also sitting yeah. here silently staring at each other. No, no, I mean, <laughs> I, feel, I, I refuse to let anyone talk. So that's true. Um, the the way that you 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 cup my mouth not to speak. <laughs> don't speak. Don't start with the no, no doubt. I know you all were going there. <laughs> don't you, tell me because it hurts. Don't speak about that either. Uh, let's talk about the game. How about that? Oh, uh, uh, of the the wind, Bornst Klein trilogy. What is uh, <laughs> Ernest Evans? <laughs> Ernest Bevins? Yeah, Bornst Klein, uh, <laughs> famed author of Dracula. Um, dr- drunk, Druncula. Sorry, I'm talking about Bornst Klein's Dracula. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, the the final battle one. Uh, yeah, the the orchids and just a real sense of like it's all laying it all out in the line. Yeah. Like this is the final battle, so get ready. And it starts out like Castlevania spooky for a second there. Yeah, and there were a couple of moments throughout this, these uh, songs where it got kind of Castlevania y. Uh, mm. And the bends, the guitar bends. Yeah. Um, fun stuff. So I'm actually going to break the format. Normally I would just go straight into like the next game, uh, but uh, I'm going to experiment with like, I'm not going to just briefly mention what the game is and oh. then just go straight into the song oh my gosh. and then set the tone for the new game. So we're, we're setting El Viento aside. Very high energy, good stuff. Was very I pleased, it, and yeah. I've been listening to this a lot. And it is one of those soundtracks where even the in, the all the other songs pretty good. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely recommend if you want something a little high energy, uh, give it a look. Uh, after this, we're going to Alicia Dragoon. Oh boy, which came out in 1992, and we're going to play the opening track really quick. So we'll play the opening theme, uh, which opens in a almost anime style, which I'll actually factor in here in a second as to why it feels almost like a show starting, not just you're about to play a video game. Uh, Kind of a classical music, classical music kind of vibe that goes over. It looks like you know ancient hieroglyphics or a prophecy that has been written in stone of some kind or painted on these walls. Uh, this total mood setting opening that suggests that like oh there's some old tale or some ancient story that's about to unfold or that we're about to be told about. So this is the opening to Alicia Dragoon. Now you are officially in the Alicia Dragoon zone. Elite. I'm spooked. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel oh, yeah. I feel intrigued. Like okay. I gotta know what's going on. I like your classical vibe. The harpsichord. It's, it's yeah. Harpsichordian. It's it's harp harpsichordian. It's funny you say that because there was a terpsichordian, which was Hitoshi Sakimoto's like 
FM synth prog- sound program. I mean, but, well, I know. as long as you trail off and get quieter, <laughs> so that's harder to pick any of that up. Uh, that's great. Uh, that was that was appropriately classical sounding. Like yeah. that was a. Uh, I don't know. I, I imagine that would be like a you know some Sony synthesizer keyboard could at a Mars Music. You could. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm a f- unofficially uh, part of the team that's trying to resurrect Mars <laughs> Music. <laughs> I'm just trying to say it sounds like a really good, authentic harpsichord setting on a high end synthesizer uh-huh. uh, that you would have had in the early '90s, sure and that I like mm. the way that I hear it. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't that though? Like, this is where I, I don't necessarily know the history of the Genesis, like the sound capabilities. But I mean, isn't it all based on some like Yamaha technology at Yamaha, the time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, maybe there's some overlap with like keyboards that they would have been selling mm-hmm. um, to make this anecdote of yours accurate. Thank um, you. Which that- I which I like, and I like the way you talk it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this uh, this is Alicia Dragoon, made by Game Arts, um, best known. You know, Lunar and Grandia series. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge fan of both of those. We've covered them. Actually, have a whole Grandia episode and a Lunar episode. That well, the Lunar one was more Sega CD. Uh, well, it was a Working Designs episode, so it was Lunar, Vi, and Popful Mail. If you're still listening, you know exactly what those three things are. But at this time in the early '90s, uh, Game Arts was working with Gainax. Gary. Yeah, Gary Gainax, uh, creator of Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. And Dragons. But Gainax is an animation studio known for known for a lot of '90s uh, anime, including Evangelion, uh, Appleseed, Cutie Honey, Otaku no Video, Fooly Cooly, uh, and other stuff. But those are the ones I recognize. So very, very rooted in the '90s with that. But th- so Game Arts would obviously make the game, but Gainax would kind of you know help create the art and the look and the the story that goes along with this game um so they came up with the general story and art for Elysia Dragoon uh the cover art in Japan is right in line uh with it's some of the I was trying to find the artist's name but some of the Grandia art especially the Grandia 2 soundtracks um with I can't remember her name with the red hair she's like the evil Maleficent it's not uh, Melina and it's I think it was Melina it's something it was... like that um she's voiced by Jennifer Hale I think oh I think I'm boy I might be crisscrossing all my references wrong here that sounds right um but that that art I think it might be uh um Toshiaki Hontani um but as soon as I saw the art for Alicia Dragoon in Japan I was like oh that looks like the Grandia art that I would see many many years later maybe these aren't the same thing but uh in the US she is a barbarian warmongerous, uh, you know, shooting lightning out of her head or whatever. Um, same same deal. Where, And it really suggests to me a lot about marketing back in the day. Like, there would have been, you know, as we are all in our 30s, there would be like 30-somethings back in 1990 who were just resisting this anime thing hardcore. Like, all these games coming over from Japan. I don't want any of that on my games. No one, no one wants it here. And like, parents aren't going to know what to buy. They're going to look like weird cartoons. We need a tough tough muscular people and it's like well no i think the kids really want an anime and that's what made a lot of this stuff stick was it looked different um and even mega man to me is an example of this because yeah. mega man one gets all the attention as like bad box art mega man but even as a nine-year-old looking at mega man 2 i was like why is crash man ripped why is mega man <laughs> yeah. holding a gun why is he off model like even I, I think they don't give kids enough credit that they don't notice when their heroes are off model a cursory glance will inform yeah. you that yeah. this is way off base and yeah. something's up. Yeah. Uh, and just, yeah, like, why is Dr. Light pointing? It's just so I mean, many... That whole era, you get it down to, like, uh, 
you compare the era of like movie poster art and yeah. box art to that era, especially like horror movies. Like, I for some reason, Chopping Mall came to mind. Where it's just like <laughs> weird punk robot yes. hand holding a chopping bag filled with body parts. Great poster for a movie called Chopping Mall about robot killer robots. All the robots are like these little automatons with tank, treads. Tank and treads. Yeah, they're like mm. basically like grown-up Roombas with guns or whatever <laughs> and lasers. And it's just that thing where it's just like they don't care what the actual representation is. Sure. And today we don't. We have much less of that. Yeah, it's it's like no, you are here's literally what you're getting. Yeah. Um, but it's just so like again, just the cover of this is just like you know Red Sonia style. Like I am ripped and gonna tear a phone book in half. Um, in a gymnasium. In a gymnasium. Mm. Um, but anyway, you're an anime girl who shoots cascading bolts of electricity. Yes. Uh, or some people call it lightning. Um, and the interesting thing is, like, I think you were saying, Pat, uh, off off mic last time we were recording, you don't actually really aim the lightning. It it cascades through enemies. Like chain yeah. lightning. Like chain lightning. Yeah. And as it, as it courses through them, it loses, you know, potency. So... Yeah. The more enemies on screen or more that you try to hit, it will do less damage. So it's you... weird. Um, I managed to play this over a weekend at a friend of the show, Greg Moore's oh, place. Yeah. He happened to have the cartridge. And I'm like, Brett's doing an episode of VG Empire on that game. Uh, let's, let's, go. let's play it. And I played it. And yeah, I'm, I'm so used to side-scrollers where like you actually point and aim in like eight mm-hmm. directions or at least four directions. but Or some in, directions. In this one, you, 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 yeah, it's just you're turning left and right and you just activate that electricity and it just goes hog wild. It sounds so satisfying. Yeah. I yeah. mean it does sound like interesting. It's at it least is. a gimmick. It's um, different for sure. And and you you also gain familiars that oh, follow, yeah. follow you like these little creatures mm-hmm. that float around. So. so yeah, even though it's this 2D side scroller, the music f- to me feels like almost more of an RPG. Mm. And I think that maybe starts getting into well, that's where game arts ends up making its name, like Lunar Grandia um, other stuff like that. And yeah. even as I listened to this soundtrack over the course of this past summer, over and over and over again, along with El Viento and the other games in this for October, I was like, I had this mental image of what the game was. And then when I saw it, I'm like, You're, you, you shoot lightning? Like, so many <laughs> of the songs to me are RPG songs. Um, but the music is done by Meccano Associates, uh, which was the sound team for Game Arts responsible for this, Silphied, and a lot of stuff. I didn't recognize such as self-centered school gambler, um, which is also a magic card. That's my uh, nickname <laughs> in high school. <laughs> uh, which includes uh, Fumihiro Kasatani, Nobuyuki Aoshima, Mamoru Ishimoda, Yoko Sonoda, and Mariko Sato. And again, shout out to VGMDB and VGMPF for knowing all of this. Otherwise, a lot of the stuff would just be completely lost to time. Um, mm. We'll go into three songs really quick for Alicia Dragoon. This is stage one one, uh, which great mysterious fantasy tune feels like you're in the woods running around looking for the adventure you're about to go on, kind of setting you on your quest. Um, it's suggestive but also calming. Like great things are coming, but not yet. Just get through this and you'll be fine. Um, after that, stage one two immediately gets more pressing and more dramatic. You know we've lulled you in and now get ready. A little bit more, little little bit more at stake. It feels, and then stage three is like full on action game music. Like, okay, you're you know what you're doing, um, and this is another case where the sound effects in the game, oh man, uh, over overpowering the music. But again, so this is stage one, 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 two, and stage three from Alicia Dragoon.
Oh man, you yeah, you called it with that eye of the tiger. Uh, but just a slight yeah. vague reference uh, to it, I feel. Uh, Brett, you were spot on with like the the spooky woods, but it's going to be okay kind of vibe of the first one. But it also yeah. had this sort of like cascading, like open feeling, like I can totally see flying around. Yeah, uh, it, mm. and again, it reminded me of like an RPG or something. Yeah, and then that that next track was like, um, yes, a, a bit. A bit like I don't know if that's a ghost up there, but I think, <laughs> we're, I think we can do it. Uh, <laughs> determined, but a little bit. Hesitant. Yeah, when I listened to one one again, it reminded me of Iron Sword, like a Second Wizards and Warriors game mm-hmm. on NES. There's just a couple of tracks near the beginning of the game at the like the area you start. I think it's outside, but it, there's just some uh, things that remind me of Iron Sword, okay. which we've done in a Wizards and Warriors episode back in probably 2012. Hmm. Oh man, <laughs> we've been doing this for a while. And then, yeah, the middle one, um, yeah, you kind of called out like a synth wave feel to the Oh, yeah. One. Especially the beginning, it felt, um, yeah, like it could have been sort of like a synth wave, uh, synth wave track. Good stuff. Cool. Yeah, uh, it made me realize, uh, the, we, we were surprised by the length of the first stage theme, but uh, I recall like playing for a while, and then like I, I beat the boss, and then it's like level one complete, and I'm like, really? The, I'm still on level one here? Like, uh <laughs> It does feel uh, the the levels do feel drawn out a bit, not not in a bad way per se, but it's value for yeah. your money, man. It's true. I'm gonna get one game this quarter. <laughs> There's a lot of value in that cart. Indeed. Um, and it's uh, interesting to note working designs who would bring over Lunar and things like Popful Mail. So yeah, kind of on that note about the packaging constantly getting changed um, to more Western quote unquote designs. Uh, I was thinking this may be one of the last examples of that from '92. Um, because Working Designs, um, which we did a whole episode about, like I just said, Popful Mail, Vi, and Lunar, you know, localization, published a lot of games back in the day, especially in, on Sega CD. They le- they leaned hard into anime. Like, they put it proudly on their covers and had a lot of things specifically for this new emerging audience in the West, like Popful Mail, full-on anime on the front, Lunar, same deal. Um, and Vi was weirdly just like, here's a desert. But uh, <laughs> that might have just been how it was in Japan, too. But uh, So Working Designs worked with Game Arts, obviously, on things like Lunar. So it's this being a Game Arts game that Working Designs is not part of has this weird, you know, barbarian-style cover. I'm wondering if this is among the last of those examples where now, well, now Working Designs is doing it. That really helped normalize it, at least within my friend group, of like, oh, yeah, we're playing all these anime games now. And then by the time you get to PS1, I feel like, that's showing up was not as bizarre anymore mm-hmm. by like 95, 96. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they might have started right around here. And this may be one of the last times that this actually happened. Not the last, but maybe among the last. Mm. Um, so we'll do three more tracks from Alicia Dragoon. Uh, stage four. So this is my favorite song from the game. Uh, and before I started researching, uh, I, I was like, oh, this is for sure. It's a town theme or an overworld or some kind of like big map thing or where I'm going to be like walking around talking to people or interacting with things uh, or even like a main theme that would fuel a franchise because it does sometimes have this it has this kind of main hook where you're like oh that's the that's the jingle that I as soon as I hear it I'm like ah the motif. this is the motif here we go <laughs> big big words um, instead it is a completely typical stage and you're in a volcano all right, <laughs> and I saw, I saw it. I'm like, this is the stage. It's like hearing the Ducktales moon theme out of context. <laughs> yeah. like, really? Like, what is this beautiful? St- and you're like, oh, but to, to quote to quote Brennel Floss's one video, this ought to be the ending credits theme. Right. Oh right. yeah, <laughs> it's too it's too inspirational for like, oh, you could just go straight to the stage if you want. Like, but you can't you can't you can't open with this. 
Um, after stage four is stage six one is a little creepier, slower song, uh, getting late in the game, making you feel uneasy. Uh, takes place in a spacecraft underground, so that's more of the anachronistic, uh, anachronistic anime stuff of like, oh yeah, it's like fantasy and lightning bolts and magic. Also, spaceship from the future crash down here, and this ties into the plot. And after stage six one is the boss theme two, kind of a secondary boss theme. Um, and you get hectic as hell, uh, really get a showdown vibe, bizarre and funky, all over the place song. Mm. Uh, three more songs from Lisa Dragoon, Stage 4, Stage 6, 1, and Boss Theme 2.
I hope Wild. You're, hope you're sitting down for that one. I don't know. Mm. That, it, that it is a distinctly Genesis sound to me, like the sort of like hammer on, hammer off kind of sound that's going on there. Uh, it, it's like something like Buster's Hidden Treasure or some very specific Genesis song, also boss music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, man, that was bonkers. My, my favorite of that, that boss one was is just the um, that critical moment but right before it loops. Yeah. Like all oh, yeah. Its instrumentation uh, changes dramatically. Uh, mm-hmm. I dig it. And, Brett, you were mentioning in the... the, the First one, which is a little more slow-paced, uh, kind of like, or I'm sorry, the, was it the second one? That little uh, the middle it one follows, yeah, that disaster piece. It follows kind of main theme where it's just, which which is again getting into the synthwave thing. So it's like the slow ones here have, which again, kind of slightly late to be era appropriate. Night by ninety two, that kind of the eighties era of that was pretty gone, mm-hmm. um, but still cool to see alive in games at the time. Um, and then, yeah, that first one just, again, it's just some like gray mountain or something, but it just seems so anthemic or like, this is going to, this is the, this is the stage one track that we'll use. Uh, you know, it's our Zelda overworld Mm -hmm. or it's our Star Fox main theme that comes back every game in some capacity. Uh, and yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, stage four and it's not, because I swear that motif shows up in the ending or it shows up somewhere else. Mm. Uh, for some reason it just stuck out to me all Mm. summer. If you guys hate it, that's fine. No, I liked it. Okay, great. It was a good song. Yeah, great. Yeah. They did a good job. And you did a good job for liking it. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. that actually brings us to the end of the show. So thank you for acknowledging my hard work. Mm. You got it, uh, man. Just, I, I, I kind I, of bone, 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 mis- b- bone big, zone. Big boned mistake. <laughs> <laughs> a, husky, a husky mistake. I, I just uh, greatly <laughs> appreciate game tunes that... Uh, <laughs> uh, just I, I appreciate game tunes that are... One very layered, but also like they just go in many different directions, and they don't uh, necessarily loop very quickly. Sure, uh, yeah. And there's a lot of yeah. that in these. It's yeah. like a Taco Bell novelty item. You know what I mean? Like you got the cheesy layer, the beef layer, cheesy, crunchy. Like sure. it's all but there. But it's the same five ingredients. Like you well, know, right? It's the same five like tracts <laughs> instruments, uh, or yeah, instruments yeah, yeah. in it. So it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. But it's this is the Taco Bell. And I mean that in the m- most loving way. Sure. Of Oh, Genesis. So soundtracks. one, I'm hungry, and two, <laughs> it is. Uh, well, we're in October now, and uh, I all year have had no Taco Bell, and I have not drank a single Mountain Dew oh, all congrats. year. Dude, all year, I gave it up for New Year's Eve too, and I cracked in Japan. Oh, really? Because they have carnitas, and I'm like, I gotta know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fine. You know, in Japan, maybe it doesn't count. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your voice cracked ever so slightly. Uh, yes. I mean. Uh, I can't read the calories. They don't count. This, this, What's a this, K-cal This talk anyway? is making me very hangry, though. Yeah, Just, yeah. Uh, thought you should know. Uh, that is the end of the show. Uh, VGEmpire.com. Thank you for listening. And, yeah, other than my big bone mistake of not doing <laughs> not doing the Ernest Evans trilogy episode, uh, this was a fun one to put together. And these are two songs. They just they just really stood out to me. Um and they're not as wildly crazy as the first two episodes we did of this month, where it was mm. like they're all shooters, so it's just insane all the time. Uh, these... These didn't seem to fall into that same, like, oh, there's no mastering. Everything's just at maximum level all the time. And this felt more like trying to construct these songs to, like, drive you when they need to drive you. But because they're not shooters that need to constantly make you feel like, move, 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 don't get hurt. Like, 
these have down moments where you can, oh, I'm playing this adventure game. I need to think about what I'm doing. I need to think mm-hmm. about this next move. Yeah. Also, just total quick aside, it, I saw that Sega's bringing like, Lightning Force out. Uh, it's yeah. already out on Switch. Is it out now? Uh, yeah, so it was just kind of, it made me think of the previous, yeah. the previous episodes. So. Uh, and that's a random one that I, I have on Genesis, and I think mm-hmm. I got it at a pawn shop you know, 20 years ago mm-hmm. solely because there's a typo on the box. Yeah. Lightning, the lightning <laughs> Force. And I'm like, I got to get this. That. So I mentioned in case people want to play a game with music like from the previous episode, sure. but in context, it's like a good way to... But not anything you heard here. No. Well, uh, was, <laughs> I just need to know, like, what was wrong with Thunder? <laughs> like, that sounds cool. Like, lightning. You can't Yeah, lightning, lightning force, thunder yeah. force. I, I also want to mention real quick with uh, Alicia Dragoon. So, it was weird. So, I was playing it, right? And you, you have that lightning mechanic. Uh, the last game of the night that Greg and I played on our, like obscure Sega sure. Genesis and Saturn binge was um, this uh, this game that, of which only 7,500 copies exist on the Saturn. It's called Shinure Jusatsushi Taromaru. And it's just this co-op side-scrolling action game developed and published by Time Warner Interactive for the <laughs> Sega Saturn. Never came out here. My favorite. Um, but we, we start playing it. It's like, okay, one guy's a ninja, one guy's a samurai. Cool, right? And then we, we find that, wait, we're shooting lightning. Uh, I don't think we aim it. Like, the, the game locks on to enemies for us. Like, what? It was just this weird connection oh, yeah. between oh, Alicia Dragoon and, and this. Two games that have uncontrollable lightning. Yeah, yeah. It is just like, what's going on here? Yeah. Very fascinating. Um, yeah, com is the website. You can find, the, obviously, the show is on iTunes and numerous other feeds. Um, please leave a comment at the, on the show. I love reading comments, seeing what songs left out of people. Or if you played these, sharing anecdotes, anything like that. I always love that. Um, and VG Empire on Twitter. Um, any other quick plugs uh, that's yeah. different from the prior two? Or I'm uh, at underscore uncontrollable lightning on uh-huh. Twitter. You can find me there. <laughs> Don't uh, forget the E. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's just at, at Tim Turry, all one word, Twitter. Thanks. And uh, you can find me at Patrick KUL on Twitter. I always love nerding out about game music and games. And you? Me? Yep. Clearly. And uh, all three of us have been doing it for many years. Um, many. All working together at Capcom, but uh, just talking about old game music here. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. None of this reflects anything that anyone says or does at Capcom, obviously, <laughs> but uh, just us talking about game music. Yeah. Um, I wanted to end the show with, uh, I had a hard time choosing because either the ending or staff roll to El Viento, because both are great, as a lot of this era of game, the staff roll is almost always the like, heck yeah, you done did it. it. You done did it, and we got sorry we got to part ways, but right. you know we'll we'll have a great last dance before we go. That elemental kind of happy, kind of sad is just the king of that, mm-hmm. um, and it's basically a journey song. Um, <laughs> but ending for El Viento is another one of those great we survived. Now what moments that that the dark side of the '80s got at? Uh, they're standing on the Empire State Building. They're looking out over, and it does this really good use of static images to to tell this story. That's really, you know, oh we. We save the world from this threat, but there's this suggestion that more is coming, and there's this enigmatic character who suggests, like, well, the whole world's going to be in a war soon anyway, like, as if he knows World War II is coming, because he's probably connected to all this ethereal stuff that's going on. Um, so there's just, like, we saved everything, but, yeah, I mean, is it even what? Uh, and then knowing that Ernest Evans is still to come, so it it all starts tying together, and... It's good, but it is still kind of a downer to end a show on. So I'm going to end with the staff roll 
just because it's a little bit more of appropriate out, uh, outing outro song. God, mm. but I would I would again suggest just looking up the the ending uh, and just generally you know scrubbing through the cutscenes or something for El Viento. It was just a really interesting game to go from your mind's eye of it's a game where I control a lady with wind powers to oh no it's a Lovecraft uh, extended universe thing in the twenties about the Empire State Building being a sacrificial building to summon a demon to Earth or whatever. Like, something about what? Al Capone, too, thrown in there. Yeah, I think there's a character who, in Japan, he's Al Capone. But and in the U.S., office. they're like, uh, no, it's uh, Rando Jim, Italian name. G- yeah, Jim Jim Hattie. It's Evan, Evan Williams or whatever the hell. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the episode, and see you next time.